raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. It's the independence, and well, I'm not shedding any tears. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's out today. Oh, look who it is. He's an author, he's a broadcaster, he's a provocateur. The one and only Abdul Akib Shabazz. How are you, skinny? Ah, doing well. Saw my doctor this week. My cardiologist gave me a clean bill of health. Said, Abdul, I'll see you in six months. You look like it. So for as many people are aware, I'm sure they listen to this radio station or follow you on social media, you had a bit of a health scare uh, a couple months ago, but now you are back and you are better than ever. Yes. uh, Three months ago, I was in the hospital. My blood pressure was near like stroke levels. Yeah. Almost like 200. I went to the doctor, it was like 130 over 77. But as a, any great comic book villain, we simply could not get rid of you. Nope, but just, come, just Kelby comes back in another form like Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th. All right, so let's talk about Mike Pence. Now, you have covered Mike Pence for years. You covered him, obviously, as a congressman and then uh, as a governor and then as a vice president. And, well, did you ever think he would be reduced to begging people to give him $1 so that he can make a debate stage? Well, I know I know Mike Pence has always wanted to be president. I mean, that's that's pretty much a a, a foregone conclusion. Like, hi, I'm Mike Pence. I'm running for pre- I'm, I'm governor. I'm, hi, Mike Pence. I'm running for I'm congressman. So Mike Mike has always wanted to be be president. But my my thing with Mike had always been he's always had this concern when he ran for governor. It is one thing to give a big speech about you know our our founders when yeah. they fought the greatest empire in the world all they had at valley forge was their for their blankets their fall fires their faith in god knowing that they would get them what are you gonna do about dcs what are you do about the roads what are you do about you know, about the prisons the budget blah, blah blah so mike has always been sort of a a, a kind of sort of a talk guy as opposed to a, a policy guy per se now with that real, real, real quick because you hit just hit on a great point you know i'm loath to give you credit for anything but i found the exact same thing when I worked under Mike Pence in uh, the professional licensing agency as a pharmacy board director, I found him to be a guy who was totally uninquisitive and totally not invested in the intricate details. And you and I both know good public policy centers around knowing and being able to execute intricate details. Well, as Mike once told me, Bob, when he was running for governor, Bob, we were just having to run into each other at the Columbia Club, believe it or not. He's like, Abdul, Mitch Chandler was a, a sort of under the hood guy. Like, yeah, Mike, you're more of a cruise control guy. <laughs> and he just kind of laughed and chuckled and left it at that. And the problem with all of that is that eventually it catches up to you. Because when you don't know what you're talking about, when you don't know the intricate details of what you're talking about, and look, intricate details are true in public policy, whether you're a town council member, whether you're a county commissioner, or whether you're the governor, you got to know what's going on. And when you don't, you get exposed. Or if you don't know, just say, hey, you know what? I'm not sure about that, but let me go check and I'll find out for you. But he never checked. Because that's, that's what a lot of politicians get in trouble is they'll, they'll say things that they aren't sure about. Like, why are you saying that? That's ridiculous. You did, don't, you did, don't. did he run for president? Because any, any of us with an ounce of common sense, whether you like Trump, you hated Trump, you can read the tea leaves and say, look. This is not going to end well for you, Palski. I mean, no matter what planet you live on, they don't like you. The Trump people do not like you. Even if they were to somehow move off Trump, they're not moving to you based on the grudge they hold against you, whether it gets right or wrong. Did he get bad advice from the Lunch Club Brigade that, hey, you know, whatever, it's your time, buddy. You, you know the hangers-on who have for 30 years have been grifting off, the, off Mike Pence, living off Mike Pence. Did he get bad advice from those guys? 
Well, let me put it this way. Uh, history does not on uh, not necessarily on Michael Pence's side because the last the the last vice president to become president immediately after serving a, a term with the president was yeah. like eighteen hundred thirty six. Well, George Bush well, did it. Well, yeah, yeah, George, yeah, George, yeah, uh, eighteen hundred thirty six, and then it was like nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. So. It, 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 it history is not on the vice president side now. Richard Nixon did become president uh, after uh, he lost. After, a, after, lost a running for governor, of California. Yeah, yeah. He became president <laughs> eventually. Lyndon Johnson was after the after, and, and we're not talking about when the president dies in office. Sure, those, right. those don't necessarily necessarily count. Um, so history is not necessarily on the vice president side. Number one, number two, with everybody sort of running to the right. Of, of, or trying to run to the right of Donald Trump in a Republican primary, how do you really distinguish yourself from uh, Nikki Haley or a Tim Scott for that for that matter? You know this. Abdul is our guest. We're talking about Mike Pence and what appears to be the end of Mike Pence, which, oh boy, that's just wonderful. Um, you, you, it is easy. It is very, very easy in politics to let the ambition of the office you desire or maintaining the office you have desired or whatever to warp who you are as a person and i truly believe that there was a time where mike pence was a pretty decent dude who told the truth who was an honest guy who was an honest broker but man to stand up now as he did yesterday at the state fair and say oh those attorneys were just crackpots and trump didn't follow the constitution Two days before and we've played it multiple times on this radio show we played it even today Mike Pence is in Georgia saying, I stand with Donald Trump, and we all have serious doubts about what happened during the election. You, does he just think the internet doesn't exist and we can't find those things, or has he just turned into such a pathetic sack of crap that he doesn't even care anymore? Don't hold back, Robert. Tell us how you really well, feel. Well, I think everybody knows <laughs> how I feel at this point. Well, I will, I will say this. On, on the crackpot lawyer part, he's absolutely correct. I have watched this thing very, very closely as a political observer and as, a, as, and as an attorney. And actually read the 45-page uh, complaint. I've been reading it over and over again. And his, my, my Donald Trump's lawyers are, are nuts. Those guys should be. Sued I, for, I don't. I don't disagree with those you. Those guys should be sued for malpractice. Now, I want to give you a compliment. I don't disagree with you that Trump had bad legal strategies. But on January 4th, he knew who Trump's attorneys were. That didn't change. He knew who they were. He knew that Trump was going to contest the election. You can't say two days before I stand with Donald Trump. I share your concerns. Yeah, but, go, but no. But, but here's, here's the only problem with that logic. We we don't know exactly what did. What did the vice president know? And when did the vice president know? You're going to be hearing a lot of that phrase over the next uh, 18 months and some change. So, so that we don't know for sure. What, what, I, what I can tell you is from everything I've read so far is that the, the vice president was sort of a uh, – I don't want to say co-conspirator because he wasn't a co-conspirator because he had nothing to do with the, the insurrection. But what I will say, though, is uh, here, here's a perfect example. In my old neighborhood uh, – my mom and dad were like, hey, you need to stay away from that guy over there because he's bad yeah. news. So one day, the guy who's bad news went with my brother like, hey, you want to drive me to the store real quick? Sure. My like, dude, what are you doing? Like, mom and dad said, stay with the guy. Like, oh, he's fine. So you drive to the store. Like, he parks the car, back, backs in the parking way, uh -huh. backs in the parking lot. And then he goes like, hey, you just stay right here and keep the car going. <laughs> okay, great. And the guy goes in, you know, give me the money, bang, bang. He jumps in the car and then takes off, and now we got a whole bunch of other problems. Yes, you were with him. Yes, you support him, but you didn't know he was going. To, you thought you guys were just going to the store. You know who's going to rob the store. He knows what Donald Trump is. 
He was with him for four years. He knew his who his attorneys were, and to to say, I mean, it just I it just it is sad to see a guy so need to be president, which he has no chance of being. I mean, it's over, right? It, it's it's done, and he's just reduced himself to all of this name calling when you stood behind the guy the entire four years. Well, his nickname now is going to be witness number one. Well, so you're totally convinced he's going to because he's he's donezo. Whether he he lucks into this debate stage or not, he's donezo. He has as much chance of being president as I do. You're convinced, Abdul? He's going to totally turn states' evidence and he's going to squeal like a pig. I would argue he already has because remember Pence kept copious notes uh, in his meetings with Donald Trump regarding the insurrection, and those were used by the special counsel's office uh, to push down the indictments. Because the only two people who would know what happened would be Donald Trump and Mike Pence. That would be it. And he didn't talk to Donald Trump. If Donald Trump does have to face charge, now there's a lot of people who think, especially on this one, that the Supreme Court's going to throw it out. Now some of these other ones, people don't think they're going to get thrown out. If Mike, If Donald Trump has to face all of these charges, and I've told our audience this, there's no way he beats them all. He might beat some of them, but there's no way. Donald Trump right now is facing 70 felonies. There's no way, because the federal government is so big and so strong and so powerful, there's no way he beats them all. The only way he can stay out of prison is to win the presidency. And, and the other thing, too, to keep in mind is, uh, in, the, in the federal court system, Donald Trump notwithstanding, 90% of cases that go to criminal federal cases that go to trial end up with a guilty plea. Yeah, because the federal government has unlimited resources. Well, also the federal government, too. When they come to get you, they come to get you. Yeah. What's coming up Saturday? Uh, lots of lots of things Saturday. Uh, we'll have our good friend Jim Merritt, who's with us on State House Happenings yeah. uh, this week. Uh, him, Laura Beck, my Democrat friend, Mark Rutherford, my Libertarian friend. Yes, Tim, talk about state, local, national politics. I'll also be talking to our good friend, Dr. Matt Will, uh, sort of about the, the, the schizophrenic economy that we have yeah. right now. I love Matt Will. And also uh, Taylor Schaefer on downtown. We had a really, really good chat about downtown sort of uh, what its future is, how things are going. Uh, it's 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 a process because it's going from predominantly retail to pro- to predominantly actually uh, more like residential because because right now uh, downtown apartments ninety eight percent occupancy rate. He is a national treasure, the one and only Abdul Hakim Shabazz. Thank you, my friend. A national treasure that should be buried. That's boy, <laughs> you couldn't have said it any better myself. It's Kendall and Casey Show ninety three WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. I hope you've got fork because you can stick it in yourself, but I think your show's about over. <laughs> That guy's been worth his weight in gold That's for his, uh, his liners. Yes, it is the uh, the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob. Casey's out today. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. Uh, real quick, uh, coming up here a little bit later on in the hour, Niels Lofgren, 
40-year guitar player, lead guitar player for the E Street Band, also played with Neil Young of the Harvest Moon Band before that. He is going to be with us talking about 40 years on the road with the boss. He's got a new solo album out. I am so excited about that. And so is Kev because, well, Kev's got part Norwegian in him, and Neil, uh, Niels Lofgren is uh, Norwegian. Yeah, he's a he's a hero to to all of us. <laughs> Speaking of heroes to all of us, Donald Trump is a hero to many people and obviously going through a plethora of legal troubles as we speak. So, a uh, one of his many 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 did I say many different attorneys was on with CNN. He was on with Caitlin Collins last night. She is that horrific awful person who they have now made the face of CNN after she did that town hall with Trump. And uh I thought this was just an excellent back and forth. So he lays out what advice Trump was given from attorneys on challenging the election because everybody thinks, "Oh, this is just some willy-nilly thing he came up with." He's talking about the legal advice he was given on the ability to challenge the election, why Trump obje- objected, and most importantly, why he had the right to object because, well, he has freedom of speech. The, the president was told, given advice, that under these circumstances, the state legislatures have the ultimate ability to qualify electors. He followed that advice. Now, you may disagree as to whether or not those things actually occurred or not. That's why we have political debate. We don't have criminal trials over that. We have the discussion but like we're just having. it matters if those things actually occurred or not, John. Not under the First but Amendment. It matters if those things no. actually occurred because... Not, not at all, because it, under the it First does Amendment... It does actually fraud. No, no. The First Amendment allows... But John, let me stop you there, because yeah. if, if he's saying that there was fraud, the First Amendment doesn't allow the President of the United States to go and claim there was fraud when he was told there was not fraud and then try to subvert the election by overturning legitimate electors. I mean, it says it right here in the actual indictment. Absolutely. The First Amendment protects all speech. If we're going to have a a situation where the Department of Justice is going to fact-check politicians and indict politicians for political speech and whether or not they're factually accurate, then this country will shut down politically because it's a never-ending cycle of tit-for-tat. And that's the risk of injecting politics into the criminal justice system. So right now, people disagree with President Trump. What's going to happen four years from now if somebody disagrees with President Biden in terms of what he said during the election? That's why we don't criminalize political speech. Political speech under the First Amendment has has an almost absolute protection. Nobody gets to judge whether it's true or not except the American people. And we do that in an election. We do that in an election. We do that in the case of a president by impeachment, but we don't indict people. Look, he's right. You may think Trump's legal strategy is stupid and it was wrong and it wasn't going to fly. Well, you know what I thought was stupid and wrong and wasn't going to fly was Joe Biden trying to find companies uh, who had a hundred and plus employees who didn't force you to get the shot. I do think it's interesting, though, that he made sure to say it doesn't matter whether what was said is true or not, because doesn't that imply what Trump was saying was, in fact, not true, but he has the right to say it. And I I agree with that. He does have the political right to say things that aren't true. Look, Trump made a big mistake in how he challenged the election. And and that was him and that was his attorneys. And he never should have put Rudy Giuliani 
you know, as the face, you know, the hair dye going down the side. I mean, Trump made a lot of that Lynn Wood guy. I mean, it's, it's just- not just that he had that he was making this claim. It's that he had more than 60 opportunities before various courts across the land to prove his case. And in all of them, he was turned down sometimes for making very juvenile mistakes, very rookie mistakes in the filings for not submitting the paperwork on time. You have evidently Alan Dershowitz believes the Supreme Court in your favor several Trump appointees who, if they thought the election was rigged, if something could be proven, they probably would have intervened. Yeah, right? I think one of the major mistakes they made was the arbitrary changing of state law by governors without consent of the legislature. I think they made a huge mistake not going in on that because like here in Indiana, Holcomb just arbitrarily walked out one day and said election day has been changed. He can't do that. Unless, of course, you have a general assembly that rolls over and plays dead and says, sure, daddy, whatever you'd like to do, how may we assist you in this process of subverting our state constitution? He didn't have the ability to do that. Connie Lawson, if you'd had a secretary of state that was worth anything, but of course, she's queen of the establishment. She wasn't going to say anything. Could have stopped that. In places like Pennsylvania, where the governor just arbitrarily changed the state law and the secretary of state, you know, they were doing all sorts of shenanigans with mass mail out balloting that was not approved by the legislature in many cases, then yeah, I think you might've had a case there, but he made a, he made bad legal arguments, but bad legal arguments, the same way as Joe Biden said, I'm going to fine you if you have a company of a hundred people and you don't force people to get the shot. And the Supreme court said, no, you can't do that. It's a legal strategy. It failed. Trump is entitled to have a legal strategy that said, I think the election was fixed or whatever you want to call it. And here's how I'm going to try to change that in the court of law. And it failed. Yeah. It's not a crime. No. Uh, Speaking of uh, lawyers, you know, Mike Pence, he's a real tough guy these days. (laughs) Uh, He's very, very tough. He's very, very, very tough. Um, He he was at the Indiana Fair yesterday, and he was being a big tough guy. And uh, he uh, takes a shot at uh, Trump and his lawyers. Here we go. Let's be clear on this point. It wasn't just that they asked for a pause. Uh, the president uh, specifically asked me and his gaggle of, uh, of crackpot lawyers asked me to literally reject votes, to, which would have resulted in, uh, in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives and literally chaos would have ensued. And that's fine if that's his stance. However, let's, Ethan, let's go back in the time machine, shall we? Because anytime this clown opens his mouth about some phony, fake, moral high horse position that he's on Mm -hmm. and feigns outrage over January 6th or the events of that day or anything else in the lead up to that, now he's calling these lawyers crackpots. Well, that was on January 6th and the days after. Trump had the same attorneys in the lead up to that. And here's what Mike Pence said on January the 4th. You know, I'm here because I stand with President Donald Trump. And I'm here because we stand with Senator David Perdue and Senator Kelly Leffler. You know, I know we all we all got our doubts about the last election. Oh, oh. And I want to assure you. I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. Wow. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, Uh we'll have our day in Congress. Wow. We'll hear the objections. Yeah. We'll hear the evidence. Uh Uh-huh. 
but tomorrow is Georgia's day. So I stand with Donald Trump. We, like millions of Americans, have the concerns. We'll hear the objections. And now in this disingenuous clown's revisionist history that he's trying to rewrite, he was some sort of the last patriot manning the fort, defending the Constitution, even if it meant you know his own life or whatever, when just two days before he said, yeah, Daddy Don, I'm there with you, I support you, and I'm like millions of other Americans who have doubts about the election. Gutless lacks consistency. Um, it, 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 it's and as you observe, this is likely going to ultimately tank his campaign. Well, this, I, this is funny. I, so I am torn on this. Where are we at? We've we got to get to a break. But where are you at on this? I am torn on whether I want Pence to get on the debate stage. By the way, he is now begging people for $1. Mike Pence is sending out emails begging people for $1. How, how pathetic is that if you are Mike Pence, have you no manhood? Have you no self-respect for yourself? You're sending emails begging people for one dollar so that you might qualify for a debate stage for an office that you have absolutely no chance not only of not winning, you have no chance of winning it, you have no chance of being competitive. How humiliating that that is how Mike Pence is going to go out and be remembered. He's there as an episode of The Simpsons where Homer Simpson somehow confiscates this robo dial and he starts it's called happy dude and he starts robo dialing people begging for one dollar the difference is homer simpson is scamming and scheming mike pence has just become a pathetic driveling little person who is so desperate to remain relevant that he's begging people for one dollar Ultimately, I'd rather he not make it to the debate stage, first of all, because he has nothing to contribute, and second of all, because I think it is imperative the Republicans narrow down an alternative to Donald Trump, and I mean on the quick, because I'm getting those 2016 flashbacks yeah. where we have so many other choices, it divides the ticket and assures his victory. Uh, but, but if he qualifies, then we get to see, providing Trump participates... We get to see Trump and Pence on a debate stage together. So if he fails, that would be great. Then we get to point at him and laugh and have a great day about how Pence is so pathetic he couldn't even get forty thousand people to give him one dollar. But if he makes it, then we get to look forward to Trump just ripping him to shreds on a debate stage. <laughs> which would be best we, for the show? Which would be best for entertainment value? Yes, we get great sound bites out of it for sure. And I think the I think the part that amuses me the most about all this is the mass panic that is set in from what the people that I have dubbed the lunch club brigade the gravy train brigade and what i mean by that is mike pence used to have when he was now nah, let's take a break we want to talk about the lunch club brigade and the gravy train brigade when we come back yeah because i know these people all listen and it'll just inflame them it'll just ruin their day let's Love pee in, let's pee in some of mike pence's people's cheerios when we come back how about that sounds good it's kennel and casey show ethan hatcher and for casey on 93 wibc you're listening to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIPC. All right, this this seems a little odd to me. It's Kendall and Casey show 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Ethan Hatcher's in for Casey today. Kev is here. Now, Kev, this may be more of a thing you've got to hop in on because it involves music. By the way, speaking of music, next segment, the great Nils Lofgren going to join us. Very exciting. 40 years, been the lead guitar player of the E Street Band, played with Neil Young before that, Harvest Moon Band. We've got a lot of stuff to get to with that. But first, speaking of music, you heard the award-winning Kurt Darling say during the news that Taylor Swift 
is coming to Indianapolis to Lucas Oil Stadium. You know Lucas Oil Stadium. That is the stadium funded by you, me, Ethan, the poor and middle class people got the tax increase so that Jim Irsay could have a free stadium. She is going there, but it is not until November of 2024. Meh. That is, let's see. So it is 12 months to August, September, October, November. That is a 15-month investment, and these tickets go on sale soon. So you are giving up, because I guarantee those tickets are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Multiple you are, thousands of dollars. You are giving up all of that money, and you will not be able to cash in on that money for at least another 15 months. I think Ticketmaster tickets aren't refundable either. So if she cancels, you're just crap out of luck. What? There's no way. <laughs> Pretty No, there's no way that's help, a thing. Help me well, out, Kev. You're buying more tickets than I am. Are they? Are, I, I think I saw last time I bought some Ticketmaster tickets that these were not refundable. Is that correct? No, there's, well, there's no way. You have to buy that. insurance. And then you can, if you decide you can't go, then you can get your money But that would be on top of the money you're also spending. But if you decline the insurance then, then you're out. Okay. There's no way if she cancels, if she cancels, there's no way that they make you eat that money. We'll have to look into that and we'll, we'll get an answer for that tomorrow. Isn't she going to donate a portion of that money to truckers? That's what she's doing, right? Look, that's kind of a cool thing. I mean, uh, look, look, if I were worth $500 million off my tour, I would give $7 to the truckers. Uh, Sign me up for that. (laughs) She's not getting any gold stars for for decent, decent, human decency. (laughs) Uh, But let's just pretend the tour goes off as scheduled that she doesn't meet some new guy that breaks her heart, which happens, what, every about three months with her, and, yeah. you know, then she's incapable of touring or whatever. Is it the guy that's breaking her heart, or is she breaking the guy's heart? Because I think she's what we like to call the high maintenance and is what? responsible for these relationships falling apart. Oh, no, Ethan, that seems like a very, a very pleasurable experience to be in a relationship with Taylor Swift. No, <laughs> all of her albums are like how much whatever man yeah. who usually looks and probably smells like John Mayer has done her dirty, and she's very irate about that, and she's been on doing the same thing for 15 years and she can never seem to figure it out but yet these little girls and young women who are either victims of hypnosis or laughing gas or I don't know what are under this spell that she remains despite being worth what a billion dollars I don't know she is the victim in all of this yeah it's it's uh she's her own worst enemy yes um, and yeah, but she's found a formula. She oh, yeah. She knows how to write the hits. Men suck are her formula, and it is not your fault that you chose bad men. Those are her. That is absolutely 100% of her formula. She's perfected it. My point is, though, are you willing to dole out? Let's say, no. I, I don't know what a ticket. Well, I know you're not. <laughs> this is why I said I'm bringing Kev into this equation. Are you, let's, whatever your favorite band is, the, uh, who, who are those guys? The Viagra Boys? The Viagra Boys. What? Let's just say a Viagra <laughs> Boy ticket. Now it is not, but let's say a Viagra Boy ticket was $1,000. Are you willing to dole out $1,000 for something you cannot cash in on for 15 months? You have just lost $1,000. No, I I wouldn't do that. Even if even if half of the Beatles came back to life yeah. and they formed again and they played a show, I wouldn't even pay that yeah, there's, much. There's money no way. It's it. just you're just out at the, uh, out a thousand dollars. Now maybe it's five hundred dollars. Whatever. You're not doing. It used to be. Hey, uh, you know, I'm just making up a band here. The Who is coming to Indianapolis this summer, and that is in March, and they'll be here in June. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm out the money, but I know in three months, unless there's an illness in the band or something, I'm cashing in. I'm only out the the money for three months, and then I get to enjoy the show. This is 15 months. Yeah, it's not worth it. No way. No way it's worth it. No way I'm doing that for 15 months to lose that money, and then you don't even know. What if it gets delayed? 
You could be 18 months. Remember how long it took Elton John to do his farewell tour here? It was like yeah. three years before the after the original the date of the originally scheduled date of the show that he finally played he finally played that show. No way. But you know what? Everybody's gonna totally do this and she'll sell out all three of those shows. And boy, I'll tell you what. If you are looking for man haters, you'll be able to find them in November of 2024 down at Lucas Oil Stadium for three well, nights. That makes me wonder, though, if you're a single man, yeah, and you shell out the money to go to this show, yeah. I mean, what is your advantage as a single guy going to see Taylor Swift? None, none. And this is this is very important. You've just touched on a very important thing here, Kev, because there are certain concerts, and I've told you I used to do this, and it did it to great success. Like if you went the uh, New Kids on the Block tour every year, or, or did you would totally, as a single man, want to go to that because you are going to go see a bunch of women who are ready to party and have a good time and Mark Wahlberg at some point or Donnie Wahlberg at some point is going to take his shirt off and women are going to throw their underwear on stage and they're not going to get with him so they got to get with somebody so you got a puncher's chance if you do that so uh, totally get that you're going an all woman thing I I told the story about how the line at the restroom for the women was down the hall snaked around the corner you could just waltz right into the uh, men's restroom and get the urinal of your choosing it was hilarious yeah However, the Taylor Swift is a different animal because you have women who are going to this concert who walk in with a preconceived notion they have been scorned or screwed or done wrong by a man of some sort. They are coming in with a defensive posture towards men. So you are not going to want to do that because they're they're yeah. going to be they're going to be defensive towards you. The other part of this Kev, and you got to remember this, these women who go to these concerts, many of them are what is it? Ravenous is that the word? Is that the word I'm looking for? Where you're, yes. where you're uber, you're just ra- rabid. I don't know. Sure. They're insane yeah. in terms of their fandom for Taylor yeah, Swift. Right. It's mania, and they don't want to be bothered by you telling them, even if it's kind words like "You're very beautiful," yeah. "You look very nice." They are going to <laughs> grab you by the collar, say, "Shut the f up." I'm trying to listen to. My name is Taylor. I'm your jailer. Uh, what's the stupid song about You Belong to Me where she's your captain and I'm on the bleachers? They're all the same song. So, yeah, it's so all the same thing. Let me get this straight. So if I walk into the Taylor Swift show, instead of getting showered with undergarments, yeah. I'm going to be showered with popcorn yeah. and drinks and they're going to be throwing things at me. No, yeah. If, yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a hell hole you're walking into. Don't do it. Yeah. If, there, if there's one thing that I've learned, it's that if you want to go to a concert scouting for chicks, you need to go to a Turkish psychedelic rock. Absolutely. Venue. And, oh, man. And as funny as that sounds, Ethan, you would actually have a better shot of picking up chicks at the Turkish, Turkish psychedelic pop rock concert than you would the Taylor Swift concert concert and i guarantee you're gonna as a man walk out of that turkish psychedelic pop rock whatever thing you went to much happier than if you went to a taylor swift concert i I wholeheartedly agree all right let's take a break when we come back oh i'm so excited he's been the lead guitar player for the east street band for 40 years the great niels lofgren's gonna join us it's kendall and casey show 93 wibc Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Everybody wants to be the man at the top. Everybody wants to be the man at the top. 93 WIBC is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's out today, and boy, do we have a special guest for you now. I'm so excited about this interview. Put him on your Mount Rushmore of all-time great guitar players, one of the real legends in the music industry and in touring and in album recording. You've known him for 40-plus years as the lead guitar player of the E Street Band, has also been a part of the Harvest Moon Band with Neil Young, the great, great Neil. Nils Lofgren joins us now on the drivehubler.com hotline. Nils, it's such a privilege and an honor. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Rob. It's good to talk to you. I'm on the road with one of the great bands in history, and I got a brand new album out called Mountains I feel great about. So life's pretty good. I've got a brief trip at home, uh, which I love, seeing Amy, my wife, and our dogs, my son Dylan. And uh, Amy's going to head out with me to Chicago, I hope, and get back to playing. But I'm uh, really thrilled to have a new album and be on the road with a great band. Life's good. Yeah, we want to talk about your obviously the big tour you're on right now. But let's talk about your new album first. It's called Mountains. You have, and I've said this for years and years, one of the most phenomenal voices. You're obviously one of the great guitar players, but you have such a phenomenal voice. And I think it really comes out in your solo stuff. Tell us about Mountains and kind of how you put the thing together. I appreciate it, Rob. You know, um, I couldn't tour in my little clubs that I do my own music with COVID. So after a year, you know, we've locked down for a couple years. I go out to the garage and put on B.B. King, Albert King, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, and I plug in my Strat and I jam along. And that was fun. But after a while, I thought, man, you got to do something professionally and I can't tour safely. So I challenged myself to write an album. I didn't want to overthink it. I, I made sure I could play all the songs live in the studio and get some emotional vocals and then add some nice touches around them and that's how mountains came out and uh came out better than i thought i feel good about it and glad to share it nils lofgren our guest um so you obviously have spent the past 40 years as the lead guitar player co-lead guitar player arguably the greatest live act of all time bruce springsteen the e street band is there added pressure when you do your own solo stuff like with mountains to say look our audience has such a high expectation I want to live up on my own stuff to the standard we have with Bruce and the E Street Band. Well, you know, the standard is you prepare, you do your best. We all fell in love with performing past, you know, getting graded and want people to come back. It's become a healing medicinal thing. I mean, I don't like leaving home, but I love more than ever to walk out and play with a great band. So when I do my own work, you know, I play these little 400-seat clubs. People come to hear my music, and I take it just as seriously. But it's kind of the same thing. You know, you, you walk out there with a gift you didn't ask for. I don't know why I hear notes the way I hear them, and I work hard to get ready and turn my mind off, trust my musical instincts, and try to do something special musically that'll linger with people as they leave with some inspiration, hopefully. So it's all part of playing live and trying to inspire people, and I, I love it all, whether I'm leading the band or whether I'm in the band. Now, you've also got a corresponding video series, Rockality, uh, going along with this. I want to get into that in just a second. I'm curious, sure. though, you played all over the world. You played in gigantic stadiums. You've played 
played in front of millions of people, stadiums that hold tens of thousands of people. Like, when you guys are going to go play Wrigley Field here in a little bit, do you ever get in awe, or is it just like, man, hey, it's just business as usual? I've played Wembley Stadium. This is nothing. No, it's not nothing. You're, you're a bit in awe uh, that you're, of your good fortune to be in a band like that and play a place like that. It's funny, I, I was born on the south side of Chicago, and I grew up there in about nine years before I moved to D.C. with my dad and mom. But I used to be in Wrigley Field with a mitt, <laughs> watching people, watching people hoping I was in the outfield and hoping they didn't. You know, I, I secretly wanted to catch a ball. I was a little scared they might hit it to me. I still remember that. So going back to where I was born and playing there with a great band. Amy's probably going to come with me. Uh, it's very exciting. And, you know, even though you're in awe of it and grateful, you still keep your head head into the music and do the preparation so you can walk out there and feel like you can really nail it musically. Uh, the great Niels Lofgren, our guest, you know him from the E Street Band, 40 years as lead guitar player there. Also played with Neil Young and many other famous musicians. New album out. It's called Mountains. You also have a corresponding video series called Rockality. Tell us about it. You know, for about 55 years now, I've been telling stories. Um, people laugh. They think they're funny. They gasp. They think they're scary. <laughs> and every, everything in between. And I thought, well, why don't I just tell these stories in a video, like 20, 25-minute story, and then play a piece of music, a song or a jam, and share it and see what people think. It's like my reality on the road, rockality. So we've got three now. We've got three more coming soon. I'm going to keep putting them out there. I'm asking people for feedback. But, you you know, people seem to enjoy it at dinners or friends or gatherings, so I thought, why don't I put them in a video form and share it with a bigger audience, see what they think. Yeah, the website, of course, NilsLofgren.com, where you can see all of this, see the new album, see the video series. You know, I'm curious, you've obviously been a part of the E Street Band with Bruce Springsteen, you've been a part of Neil Young's just phenomenal musical career. What have you taken from all these very influential, famous singer-songwriters that you've been with, and how does it apply to your solo work? Well, very, very young age, 18, I did After the Gold Rush with Neil Young. Um, David Briggs, his producer, took my band Grin under his wing, and we made four records with David. But we'd get in David's VW Bug every morning, drive up into the, the high hills to Neil's house to record After the Gold Rush with a remote truck, and we'd blast Creedence Clearwater Revival the whole ride. And I used to tell David, it's so nice not to be the band leader. You know, every day of your life to be the band leader, be the boss, there's a lot of non-musical issues, and they all go away when you're in someone's great band. So I learned that lesson very young, and I was blessed to have a chance to play in Ringo's all-star bands and, of course, E Street and, you know, bands with Patty Skelfa, Willie Nelson, Branford Marsalis. I realize it's good for my musical soul not to be the boss every day. Uh, I want to... Being a great band. I wanted to tell you the story because I've been waiting 20-plus years to tell it to you. When I was 19 years old, I was working at a radio station, another radio station in Indianapolis. You uh, recorded some liners for some guys who were playing a lot of your music at the time. It was a night show. They asked me right. to do it because they knew I was a huge fan of you and Bruce. They said, hey, you want to record these liners with Niels? You did them on the phone. And I, you, ch that, you had such an impact on me because, and I'm sure you don't remember this because you do this with a lot of people, I'm sure, but we shot the breeze on the phone for like 20 minutes after you recorded these liners you sent me an autographed copy of your cd at the time and i've been telling people for 20 years what a great guy you were because you didn't have to do that it's some kid you'd never met before and you made me feel so great and it told me a lot about you about how much you care about how your music impacts the people that consume it 
Oh, well, thanks, Rob. That's a great story. And, you know, truthfully, I'm making this music for people. I want to share people and try to hopefully connect with them and give them a little bit of inspiration and healing through the music. I can't do that without your help. And uh, so I'm glad I was. I, I, I'm glad I wasn't a jerk. We had a we had a good good uh, good little rapport there, and I was nice. I, I, I try to be nice all the time, but you know the world's kind of crazy. So that's a great story. Thanks for sharing. Couple minutes left, uh, and then we got to wrap up with Niels Lofgren, one of the great guitar players of all time. You know him from Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, and many other famous acts. Has a new solo album out called Mountains. Also a video series, Rockality. You can find it at NielsLofgren.com. You do so much. You put so much soul and heart into your solo work and you do a cover of a Springsteen song called Man at the Top that I play every day when I go for my walk. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. I'm curious, when you get done with the song, how do you know, yeah, that's it. That's a one. That's something we're adding to the album. And how does that apply to what you did with Mountains? Yeah, well, that's the same kind of thing. You know, I, I wrote the songs. I, I felt like, okay, these are good songs. I practiced before Jamie, our engineer, great friend Jamie Weddle, a fantastic engineer and friend, comes over and rolls tape. I didn't even want to do that until I could play every song live. And when I'm in the studio, if I'm playing live and singing, I'm a better singer than if I'm just standing there singing. If I, there's an instrument in my hands, piano or guitar or whatever, I sing more emotionally and powerfully. And I knew that, you know, if I got live vocals, on all these songs that there'd be a lot of emotion in them and that's the approach you know I just try to keep everything as live as I can that's certainly my favorite part of what I do is being in front of an audience and I try to bring that into the studio best I can well without turning this into Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live man we've just been a huge fan of yours for 20 plus years you've had such a great impact on on my life on millions of people around the world it's such a thrill to be able to get to interview you today the new uh, solo album is Mountains Rockality is the video series you can find it at NielsLofgren.com. The great, great Niels Lofgren. Man, it's been such an honor. Thank you, my friend. Hey, bless you, Rob. Great to talk to you. Thanks again. And that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Ethan Hatcher for filling in for Casey. Thanks to Kevin doing his usual great job as always. Stick around. Tony Katz coming up next. Kendall Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.